to be a yogi. Episode 7, Ashtanga Yoga, in which I interview Maria Zavala. Maria has been practicing yoga since 1994 and teaching since 2002. She currently teaches at Yoga Works in Los Angeles. And she will be teaching Ashtanga Yoga at Baba's Fest. So, without further ado, let's get to that interview, shall we? Hi, welcome to the To Be a Yogi podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. So we are both going to be teaching up at Bava's Fest, I hear. I think so, yes. I'm really excited about it. Me too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, especially the whitewater rafting. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, we went up there for my senior trip back in the 90s, so I have, I have nostalgic memories of Kern River. I've never been up there. I'm really excited to get out of LA and explore some nice nature, do lots of yoga, teach yoga. It's yeah. going to be a good time for sure. Yeah, it seems like we're starved for nature here in the city, so we, we go to yoga studios because it's as close as we can get <laughs> without actually going out into nature. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Ashtanga Yoga. I wish that I could blurt out a definition of Ashtanga Yoga when people asked me. So I'm hoping that by the end of this interview, I will be able to do that. <laughs> okay, yes. Because <laughs> uh, it, it, um, from what I've read, that was... Um, you were trained in that. You were the first Westerner trained in which lineage was it? Well, my teacher, Tim Miller, was uh -huh. the first Westerner to be certified in oh, Ashtanga see. Yoga by Patapi Joyce, who was the late guru of Ashtanga Yoga. Okay. And I, I studied, see. yes, I'm sorry, I studied with Tim for over eight years, and he gave me his blessing to teach Ashtanga Yoga. Nice. Okay. Um, where would I start if I were going to take on a path of Ashtanga yoga? Because I mean, I, I, I was certified in the Mukti school, and I believe that Ashtanga was one of the things that I learned. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to differentiate it from the other forms of yoga. Oh, sure. Well, that, that's easy, because um, in Ashtanga, it's a set sequence of postures that you follow. Oh, so you would start with we start students off with primary series, which the whole series takes about an hour and a half to get through. Mm -hmm. And it's a very dynamic practice. It's sequential in that each posture leads to the next, and it, it gets harder and harder. So it's like a peak, almost like a peak pose, and then it gets easier again. So the main difference with Ashtanga is that, is that it's a set sequence that does not change. Um, we also use the tools of ujjayi breathing with the gaze points, the drishtis, and the locks, the bandhas, mm. along with the postures to mm -hmm. create that movement, moving meditation. And it's very very true to an Ashtanga class. You will always learn that in an Ashtanga class. It's not Excellent. in other classes. Um, yeah, someone had told me that Mula Banda used to be this huge esoteric secret <laughs> that would only be told after years of earning the trust of the guru. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to an Ashtanga class, what we, in a Mysore setting, which means Mysore is the city in, um, in India, in South India, where Patapi Joyce was teaching Ashtanga. So that's why we call a lot of the classes Mysore style, which means independent practice. Okay. It does not mean that you have to know the sequence to come to that class. In fact, we will teach it to you, and you actually get a lot of individualized attention in that type of setting. 
where when we start teaching you the sequence, we teach it to you in a slower manner. You're not going to get to do the whole thing at once mm-hmm. because it is a long sequence and we want you to memorize it. So you get a lot of attention in that type of class, especially in the beginning so that we can teach you the breath with the movement properly. Then as we get to know the student and as the student develops the practice, we start adjusting them more and more deeply. That's another thing that's unique to Ashtanga, the type of adjustments that we're giving in, in the class. They're very mindful, but they can also be very deep. And that right. is only once we get to know the student. Um, yeah, within their comfort zone. It, well, you have to like learn their body, see where they're at. So a lot of watching them first, kind of see yeah. you know, where they're at in the practice and so that you can make those safe adjustments. And there are lead classes as well. So if you were to go to a lead class, the teacher, I would lead everyone as a group. Like, and In fact, at the festival, I'm teaching lead primary. So mm-hmm. they'll practice together and I will lead everyone through the sequence in order. And I also offer modifications for people who may not be able to do the pose know completely because some postures are a little more challenging um so i'm very good about keeping things safe for everyone but moving together with the breath with the movement there's also a lot of counting in the leg class in sanskrit and in english and it kind of keeps the pace of the class like a metronome so it really turns into a deep practice it's a really nice practice actually very dynamic in the Sri Swami Sachidananda translation of the Yoga Sutras, he was talking about how the way that he teaches, it's the same sequence every time. And he had opened up um, studios in Europe and he had his, his uh, well, his students that had become teachers come back to him and say that, his, that their students were complaining that it was the same thing every time and uh, that they were having to change it up to make it interesting. And he said that that was only something that came up once yoga was introduced in the West. Well, the thing with Ashtanga, and I'm not familiar with the Sachinananda sequence, is mm-hmm. there's six different series for one. So it's not just primary. Oh, okay. And, and the thing is, is it becomes a bit focused and disciplined in the sense that the, the first sequence in primary, there's outside of, of, let's say, the vinyasas that you do in the beginning to warm up, the Suryanamaskar is A and B. You know, there's over like 40 postures in the this, in this series. And once you master that series and your teacher's the one that decides when you move on to the next series, you don't just get to learn the next series. You start adding it into the primary pose mm-hmm. by pose. Just as when you get to a pose and even in primary, if you can't do it very well, you get stopped there until you can ex- and not just initially have to do it perfectly, but at least be able to do it safely because the next posture will be harder. Right. And being that it's the same sequence, the difference is that your body's not the same every day. So it doesn't really get boring because one, it's challenging. Yeah, and different days, different body, you know, and so different weather, different weather, different exactly what you're eating, if you're sleeping, not sleeping, it all affects you. And so the sequence doesn't always feel the same. And one another thing that's nice about Ashtanga is because you are doing the same thing, you can really see how you're progressing in the postures. And some of these postures are so challenging that for some people it might take years to get that posture, you know, to do it well, to do it better, to do it with ease. Yeah. And, yeah. and with and with practicing on a daily basis in Ashtanga, we practice, you know, six days a week is recommended with one day off. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, if you're a householder of, you know, a parent, of course, it might not be that much. But, you know, if you practice at least three times a week, three to four times a week, you really will see 
the results of the practice and not only just physical, but also, you know, spiritual as well, which is very individual to everyone. You mentioned the, uh, the, the word householder. And just uh, since a lot of our listeners aren't as uh, well studied as, as you and I are, there's the householder. And then what's the other classification? It starts with an S. It's like the person who goes to an ashram. Oh, yes, yes. Well, um, starts with an S. I can't think of it right now. Oh, maybe it's not. Well, basically, uh, I I just thought it'd be interesting to bring that up because uh, I haven't really gone into that on the podcast yet, that uh, there's the the one who says, I'm going to be a yogi and goes to an ashram. And if they had something going on before, they leave it behind. And uh, and they just make that their path and just, you know, focus on that. And then there's the householder who says, I'm going to do all the things that a normal person, you know, does and, uh, you know, have kids, have family, have a job and be a yogi. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, and that kind of speaks to the heart of the, the initial question behind this podcast is how do you be a yogi? How can you be a yogi when, when your life is getting up and getting, you know, an alarm goes off and you go on the freeway? Is it possible to be a yogi if that's your life? And, uh, so yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up. You were you were mentioning um, the householder, the householder, which I think most of us are at this point. You yeah, know, for the most part, I think. whether we rent or own, yeah, <laughs> we have kids or not, or have a right. partner. And I think that you know it's a good balance. Um, I'm a mom myself. My son is 16, and I was already practicing yoga when I got pregnant with him. And so I learned a lot from that because you you find balance. You know, your practice is not going to be the same even after the baby comes. You don't have as much time. You're yeah. tired. And there's a lot of letting go of that. There's a lot of surrender to that. And you still have a practice, though. And like with Ashtanga, one cool thing about it is because you know the sequence by heart, and if you are practicing, let's say, second series as well or third, you can break it up to what you need. So like the first year when Elijah, my son, was little, I only practiced when he was sleeping, and he wasn't a good sleeper. So <laughs> I devised a way to, to practice primary series in two days instead of one. Right, And that really served me well. And so what I tell parents or people who are just really busy is like something is better than nothing. And get on your mat and even if it's 10 minutes, do five A's, five B's. Boom, that could be a practice right there. Do five A's, five B's, finishing poses. There's, there's something to be said for that. And it's still, you're still learning. You're still a yogi. And when we have more time as children get older, if you have kids, it all eventually comes back. Yeah. It's time. Or you take the kids with you. Tim Miller was awesome about that. He was very much like they do things in India where, you know, kids are involved and he would allow people to bring their kids as long as they could sit quietly. And my son would sit like at the edge of my mat and just watch or sleep. And it was really nice to have that as well because I was able to practice more when he was younger. Nice. My teacher. Yeah. It's really pretty cool. Very cool. So you got started pretty early with yoga. I did. I was 24 at the time, um, early 90s, back in 94. I'm mm-hmm. 45 now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've been practicing, you know, 21 years. Um, I started with Iyengar Yoga in Chicago with Gabriel Halpern of Yoga Circle. And after three years, I became curious about Ashtanga. And so I asked him about it. And he, you know, he told me a little bit about the practice and that um, the Patabi Joys, the late guru of Ashtanga Yoga and Mr. Iyengar, I had actually had the same teacher, Krishnamacharya, which at the time I didn't know, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And he encouraged me to try Ashtanga at a time when both of the worlds of Iyengar and Ashtanga, they just didn't get along very well back then, you know? Right. <laughs> it was kind of like one or the other, you can't do both. And I loved Ashtanga. I fell in love with it immediately. I was young, I was dynamic, it was moving, you know, I just was more challenging than Iyengar at the time. But I also continued my Iyengar practice with him. And I'm really glad that he encouraged me to to try Ashtanga and not um, 
you know, not hold me back from it because because of it, I actually have both. And I was never an, an um, sorry, a younger teacher, but that a younger background has really served me well as a vinyasa flow teacher and in general as a teacher. So I'm really grateful to have had both. But my heart is really, you know, with the Shtanga now. And, um, but, I, you know, both have, both have been really great for me. Well, that definitely speaks to him as a teacher that he was able to help you along your path rather than trying to encourage you to follow a path more like his. Exactly. Exactly. Give me the space, the freedom. And honestly, if he hadn't done that, he would have lost me as a student. Yeah. <laughs> Longer way, you know. And yeah. So, and so because of it, I, you know, I kept practicing both. It was just a balance for me. Ashtanga took over. So my younger became more like one day a week or, you know, every other week. But I still kept up my younger practice. And he was such a lovely teacher. And I was grateful for him. In fact, when my son was born, he was able to, I was able to bring Elijah to some of my younger classes as well when he was a baby. And, um, and I actually practiced Iyengar throughout my entire pregnancy as well as Shishtanga. So I'm very grateful for that. And 45 years or 21 years later, here I am. <laughs> very nice. I see that you also teach prenatal classes at Yoga Works. Um, I don't so much anymore, but I did used to teach prenatal for them. I mainly teach Vinyasa Flow level two threes and Shishtanga okay. for them now. But I did at one point teach a lot of prenatal, which I loved. It's just that my son is 16 now, so I feel a bit more disconnected. I see. That world. So I... Rather, you know, I can easily teach it, but I don't feel as connected to newer moms because my son is so much older now. <laughs> I had my my training and I took notes when they talked about um, teaching pregnant women. But I mean, obviously, I've never been pregnant and uh, <laughs> never will be. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'd like to take the opportunity to ask if you have any pointers. I know that twists are something to be approached very, very carefully or not at all. Yeah, uh, no deep twisting. Um, anything that is pushing on your belly is not done. Um, and, and the younger discipline, they're a bit more disciplined on what pregnant women can and cannot do. In the shtanga, it's a little bit more free, but definitely no deep twisting, only soft twisting. Right. Um, no deep back bends, and that becomes a little bit more personal. I have known women who do practice deep back bends when they're pregnant and they love them. <laughs> I didn't like them for one thing. So no deep back bends, no inversions unless you already are familiar with them. So the main thing when you're pregnant is if you have a strong practice, you can keep up that practice because that's what you're used to. And you modify as you start showing more right? for obvious reasons. But if you're newer to yoga in general, then you want to keep it very easy, very gentle because it's not something you're used to. So there's two different ways of looking at it. If I get a pregnant woman in my Ashtanga class, for instance, I have them modify a lot of postures and there's, they can still do a lot of the practice, but I either have them skip certain ones or modify it for them so that they can do it safely. I mean, I practice Ashtanga through my entire pregnancy. And I know most of my friends have as well, and super healthy babies. <laughs> now, my understanding is that the hormones that make the uh, bones and joints a little looser for later on, actually, the, that, that actually starts flooding the body at the point of conception. Um, I had a, a story that I had heard from one of my teachers where uh, there was someone who said, said, well, yes, I'm pregnant, but you know, only recently pregnant. And so she said, okay, no twists. And then the girl ended up leaving in a huff. So I, I, does that sound... Yeah, you have to be careful. Who was right on that one? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of controversy over what you can and cannot do depending on the training of the teacher. Right. And one being that I am a mom, um, one thing I tell every student of mine who does get pregnant is 
use your intuition kicks in too. Intuitively, you will know whether something is good for you or not. Like the minute you start doing a pose, like sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to do that today. Even if it's a safe pose that you are allowed to do. Right. Or if your body changes so much when you're pregnant and do have to be careful with um, some women who do get very flexible in, in the hips mainly. Yeah. They can overstretch. I yeah. wish that happened to me. Like, ooh, I can pose for this picture now. It would be so cool to be in this pretzel <laughs> pose and I'm pregnant. So, I, you know, I, I, certain women, you know, yeah, everyone is in the, um, an individual with them. They come to how they practice when they're pregnant and using your intuition because it really does kick in like like big time kicks in um and so i just for me it's a matter of keeping them safe by the knowledge that i have and also their knowledge of their body as well and what is their body telling them on that particular day yeah it's definitely not the time to be competing with the person next to you for no and that's hard <laughs> for us especially ashtangis to do um i know i felt that way in the beginning and i just had to let the go and surrender to that. And I think as a teacher, I remind women that, hey, you're pregnant now. It's okay. You're taking care of someone else. Your practice is coming back. Now is not the time to do 10 million handstands, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of surrender involved, but I think that's the role of a teacher to have that knowledge and to hold that space for someone who's not gone through it before. Now you've studied in India and Greece. I studied in Greece, but I did not get a chance to go to India because I got oh, I see. my son. <laughs> oh, right on. Not yet. I'm, I'm planning to go to India. I like to go at some point. Um, Tim Miller turned into my India. I, I moved to Encinitas from Chicago to practice with him. And before that, I had been in Greece at um, the practice place with Derek Ireland and Radha. And that was really, really special because Derek actually has passed away. But he was an amazing teacher from, from England. And my friend had discovered this beautiful place in Crete. So I spent um, a summer there practicing and studying with them. And it was a great, great experience. Very nice. Yeah, I'm really thankful that I've had really good teachers in, in my life from the very beginning. A lot of old school teachers respected in their tradition at Yengar and Ishtanga. And I um, feel like I learned a lot from that. And it's, it's a little different these days, but now that yoga can be more mainstream. But back then, it wasn't popular at all. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I'd be a teacher. If someone had told me back then I would teach yoga, I would have laughed. <laughs> like, I'm not calm enough to teach yoga. <laughs> Now, where do you teach these days? I teach at Yoga Works in LA. Okay. Like yes. downtown LA? Um, not yet. We're, um, I will be in downtown LA when we open the studio there. But for now, um, Hancock Park is the Center for Yoga Studio. Okay. And we just opened a new studio in Koreatown. But we have locations all over the city. So the nice thing about Yoga Works is that there's, there's quite a few studios. So it's convenient for students depending on where they live in the city. Yeah, there's a, a teacher here at Namaste, uh, Hannah, who was from Yoga Works. So I'm kind of familiar with, you know, some of the core work that they do and, and that kind of. Oh yeah, yes, I know Hannah. Oh, cool. She's pretty cool. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, well, Yoga Works was started by two Ashtangis, Chuck and Monty, originally before they sold. So I and my teacher used to do workshops for them, Tim Miller. Um, so when I moved to LA, I really wanted to work for them because of the high standard of yoga that they offer. Mm -hmm. and, and as a teacher, I also wanted um, like a, um, a stable future, you know, and I have health insurance. I have really good classes. There's more studios opening. I'm now actually about to assist a training in April so I can move into yoga uh, teacher trainings, which I'm more than ready for with, you know, 15 years teaching experience and 20 years of practice. I mm -hmm. feel very knowledgeable to move in that realm. So I'm really excited about it and I really enjoy working for them. Nice. I used to teach over in K-Town at KLG Spa and Sauna. Oh, where's that? It's on Harvard and Pico. 
Oh, okay. It's, oh, that's not far from the Yoko Brooks location, actually. Yeah, it's um, okay. every everybody there is Korean. Um, <laughs> most of the students didn't speak English, and uh, so that was a lot of fun. It was uh, my first steady gig. It was uh, every morning, Monday through Friday, for about two and a half months. <laughs> How long ago was that? It was uh, oh, that was at the end of 2014. I just uh, became certified in April of 2014. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah that Koreatown is a very good area for yoga. It's really needed there. Yeah. Um, I'm, as I'm realizing, and everyone's so eager, eager to learn. You know, we just opened that studio less than a month ago, and I'm really excited to teach new students and to see the eagerness in their face to learn. And you know, it's it's really pretty cool. Yeah, I have a funny thing that comes up where uh, I'll, I'll be talking to someone from Korea who says, well, I was raised Christian, so I don't know much about, you know, Asian culture. And then I say, well, my dad was born in Shanghai, so I was raised Buddhist. And actually, it was my great, great grandparents who went to Korea to convert everyone to Christianity. <laughs> so it's interesting, the crossing over of cultures. Interesting, right? <laughs> now here I am in K-Town teaching yoga. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But these days I'm in uh, Hollywood and Burbank teaching at Crunch. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm familiar with the, with Crunch in Hollywood, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm on fr uh, Friday nights at 5 and uh, Wednesdays at 1 is my usual. Nice. I'll have to come take a class one day. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> then I sub quite a bit. That's oh, it. yes. I was just at a class in Burbank. Ooh, that's like across the galaxy for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is in this city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially during rush hour. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's how, you know, I'm really thankful that I have studios that are really close to my house because now the, you know, I'm only traveling like five, six miles to get to teach, to teach. And that's so nice because I used to have to go all over the city when I first moved here. Yeah. That was a bit much. Are you going to camp or are you going to get a room? I'm going to camp, you know, um, because I feel like it's going to be more of an experience if I camp yeah. rather than hide away and then the room. So I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm a city girl, but I like nature. So I'm going to camp. And Take part this of opportunity. Like, oh. yeah. But yeah, it's a great opportunity. And I think, I mean, when I've, I've been to Bhakti Fest before as my teacher's assistant and I've camped there and I just feel like more of a part of the experience when, when I'm camping. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to camp. Me too. Hot showers, though, so that's a good thing. <laughs> so I, I like to let people know um, if people are tuning into this episode for you because they're your students or the, you know they particularly enjoyed hearing you on this podcast. What's your uh, promo code for uh, Baba's Fest? Oh yes, promo code is Mari Z. That's M A R I Z, like zebra. Just one word. Cool. And uh, if if you're tuning in because it's Edward's podcast or because you just love this podcast, uh, the promo code is two, the number two, B Yogi. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we start to wind down? Um, I, I think we've talked quite a bit of, or, you know, got a lot covered, actually. It's yeah, really yeah. fun talking to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited about this festival. It's my first one that I'll be teaching at. And um, I think it's going to be a great group and great energy out there. The grounds sound amazing. Really great yoga. I'll be teaching uh, vinyasa flow and ashtanga, so I'm excited about that. And I'm looking forward to meeting you as well. Oh, likewise. And uh, so just to let everyone know, um, I guess th this is the first year that they're doing Bhavas Fest, so they're a little nervous that there isn't you know, a, a flood of people signing up just yet. So if you're interested, if, this, if you're free at, uh, from March 31st to April 3rd, then go to B-H-A-V-A-S-F-E-S-T. 
com and uh, go ahead and check that out. You can see all the presenters. It's uh, Maria, me, and a few others I've already interviewed here on the podcast and a few others I'll be interviewing in the future. I'm actually going to be interviewing Julie on, um, I think, Thursday, the uh, organizer and I think the creator of Baba's Fest. Oh, wow. I don't know. She hasn't said. She, she, she says she's the event coordinator, but I suspect that this is her baby. But I don't know. Well, I'll see if I can get more information about that on Thursday. I am excited to to hear that. Yeah. So that should be fun. And thank you uh, again for being on the podcast today. And uh, I'll, I'll try to come to one of your classes at YogaWorks as well. I would love to have you. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Absolutely. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you very much, Maria, for joining us on the To Be A Yogi podcast. Special thanks to Brian Dahl for the music you're hearing right now. And also, happy birthday, Brian. May you be happy and healthy and strong. May you live with ease. Namaste.